Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Hey. Good morning. I'm glad that some of you are standing, others of you are sitting down way too quickly. You need to stand on your feet. I know, you'll get used to me. I'm just a bossy British sister you didn't know you had. And uh, I always start uh, my message this way because um, I have learned that anything we do really often, we become really familiar with. And it's kind of like we come in church and we do worship and then we go into autopilot and we just kind of sit in our seat and we're like, okay, this is the part where I either go on Instagram or check my texts or listen and nod my head and say amen a few times and then service is done. And, you know, I'm a local church girl, so I see it. We all get in a routine. In fact, some of you, you sit in the same seat every Sunday and it doesn't have your name on it, but it has your bottom implants in the cushion. And you freak out if somebody sits in your seat because don't you know that's where I sit? We are creatures of habit. And therefore, when it comes to the Word of God, we can also become familiar. And so I'm just having you stay on your feet just to remind you that what we're about to do is not usual. It's not every day. It's supernatural. It's divine. It's God-breathed. That the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is challenging. The Word of God is food to our soul, and you can either sit there and let it go over you, or you can sit there and be so hungry and so desperate that it will transform and change you. So God, we stand in your presence. You are here. It says in your Word that when we gather, you presence yourself amongst us. And God, I know that you are not here to pass time, or you are not here for a casual encounter, but God, you are always here for purpose. And so I ask this morning that we would shake off any apathy or complacency or familiarity. And God, I pray that you would speak like only you can into the very heart of this house, into the very heart of every person that is here, every person online, that God, we would lean in today and we would be hungry and we would be desperate for you. God, I pray that I would get out of the way so that you can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may now take your seats. I am a local church girl. As uh, I was just described, I am not uh, an itinerant speaker. I um, speak around the world. That is part of what I do. But I do it from a place of being someone that is planted in the church, that spends her life building the church, that the only reason that I am here this morning is to help build the house and to add a brick to what your pastors and team are already doing week in, week out. I have not come to entertain you, and I certainly haven't come to impress you. And so if those are the reasons why you think I'm here, you're going to be very disappointed. Um, some people are wow preachers, and you sit in their messages, and you're like, wow, wow, wow. You get all those goosebumps, and you're like, this is amazing. And I just want to say at the beginning, that's not the gift on my life. I am not going to give you goosebumps. I'm not going to probably have you say wow, but I probably will have you say ow 
that hurt. I'm not sure I like that. I think she just slapped me up the side of the head with the word of God. I, I don't know why God put that mandate on my life. I don't know why. Maybe he thought the blonde package would get away with it. I don't know, but... But I, that is the gift God gave me. And, you know, I've discovered the Bible, the Word of God. It has plenty of candy in it. It so has candy in it. It has sweet stuff. It has good stuff. It has yummy stuff. But I have found that God won't let me preach the candy. God always asks me to preach the greens because God's a good father and he needs his kids to have a good diet. And some of you live off spiritual candy and God needs you to get more mature in your palate and be willing to eat the greens because it's the greens that grow you and it's the candy that actually rots your teeth. And so if you live off candy, you are not spiritually going to be strong enough to handle some of the things that you need to handle. And you're not going to have the wisdom to deal with some of the situations you deal with. It's the greens that give you the nutrients to be able to deal with that. So the Word of God, never be afraid of it, never shy away from it, but always be willing to eat the greens because they're the good stuff. They really are. And so I say all that because this is a greens message. This is a local church building message. This is a, you know, nuts and bolts of how we figure out how to do this thing called church better and stronger together. And the title of this message I came up with because of a trip I recently took with my children. I got to take them to one of my favorite places, um, Africa, and I got to take them out there to a project that I'm working on. And after we'd done all of the filming and the project, we got to do my very favorite thing, which is safari. And we took our kids, and uh, we have two children, 15-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. And we took them on their first safari. And while we we're on this safari, we spent our whole time between two elements. And these two elements are what I have entitled this message. We spent our time between canvas and vastness. We would sleep at night in a tent. It was a little bit more sturdy than this one. And uh, we would, as a family, be in this beautiful canvas. And we would sleep there at night. And we would put our kids to bed underneath this canvas every night. And then I would be laying in the bed and I would hear outside of the canvas a cat. And I don't mean your neighborhood kitty cat. I mean a big cat with a big roar. And I would suddenly be aware while I was in the canvas of the vastness that was right outside that flimsy material. We would get in a safari vehicle and we would go and look at the animals and we would drive through this vastness of creation with this flimsy canvas window that we had on our vehicle and literally a few yards from our hands would be a lion or a giraffe or an elephant. And you just realized, okay, I'm in canvas, but I'm next to vastness. This greatness is right there. And I came home and began to think about the church and I began to think about what it is that we're called to do. And I began to realize that it is the same in the kingdom of God, that God has got these two elements going on always at the same time. And God's idea is that these two elements would dwell together, live together, and build together. That there is the canvas of the local church. There is the canvas of our lives, our marriages, our families. There is the canvas of what makes us us is a canvas of what we find where our location is, what we find our comfort is, where we find our belonging is. That is the canvas, the fabric of our lives. But God's idea is we would take the canvas of the church, the canvas of our lives, and we would pitch it in the vastness of who he is. That we would live our lives not where it's all canvas, but actually where our canvas only really makes true sense 
inside the vastness of his kingdom, of the bigness of his dream, of his call. And yet in the church, we have often separated these two elements. And so we have those that love the canvas. They're almost the canvas police. They love the local church. They love order. They love the worship a certain way. They love the volume a certain way. They like things a certain way. They like preaching a certain way. They like the canvas tidy. They like it neat. They love the canvas. They love things that have structure and order to them. And then there's a whole nother group that are like, oh, but I just feel that I am just one of those people that God has wired and I just follow the spirit wherever it leads me. And one week it may lead me here and another week it may lead me there and another week it may cause me to stay in bed with my duvet over my head because sometimes that's how I feel. I'm just, you know, I'm just out there in the vastness of the, of the creation of the universe. And so we have canvas and we have vastness and usually they talk completely different languages and they frustrate one another. And it reminds me of the picture of the house that the prodigal son lived in. And there's the prodigal son and then he's his brother. And we can look at that story for many, many reasons. But I recently have re-looked at that story and realized it was a picture of how God does family. So there's a father with two sons. And these two sons are wired very differently. There's the son that is restless. He's the guy that, you know, when you sit down and have a conversation, would be tapping his leg and looking around and scrolling through Instagram because, you know, he's already bored. Like this, this gathering, this meeting, whatever we're talking about, uh, this is not my thing. I just want to go. I want to do. I want to feel. And so he's restless. But in the same household, there's Brother Reliable. And he's like, well, I need your receipts for that account. And I need you to actually show up when you said you were going to show up. And I actually need you to be responsible with what I've asked you to be responsible for. And they both have the same dad. And they live in the same house. And God's idea is restless needs reliable. And reliable needs restless. Because reliable on his own is really boring. And restless on his own is kind of scary. And what you realize about that story is that when the restless brother took off on his own because he couldn't get along with reliable, restless on his own became reckless. But also when restless left, reliable was therefore on his own. And when reliable's on his own, he becomes resentful. So reliable resented that restless was off having a good time. And restless became reckless because he had no boundaries that reliable would have helped him with. And there stands a father that goes, you're both my kids. I wired you both in the way that you're wired. And my idea is that both would dwell in the same house. God's idea is that there would be in his house canvas and vastness. That we would understand the combination of these two elements. In fact, in Isaiah 54, it's a famous passage where it talks about an actual tent, about canvas. And it says this, it says, stretch wide the tent, lengthen the cord, strengthen the stakes. It doesn't say throw away the tent. It doesn't say some of you might have a nice tidy tent. It says, I want to do something huge and large, and I'm going to need the canvas to stretch so that it can incorporate the bigness of what it is I'm asking 
from you. So I want to, in the time we have, examine this relationship, and I want to throw out some thoughts because I honestly believe that there's never been a time in the kingdom of God where we need to work on this, where we need all the creativity, where we need all the big ideas, where we need those that are dreaming and in business world and those that have ideas and companies that they're running and things that they're doing. There's never been a time when we need all of that to strengthen the canvas, and there's never been a time when we need the canvas to strengthen all of that more than now. And so I want to look at someone that spent their life between these two elements. His name's Abraham. Abraham literally lived his life in canvas. He literally lived his life in a tent. That was his home. That was where he did life. That was where he ran all of the things that he ran. And so he lived physically inside canvas. And yet we know the story of Abraham. If you've ever read it, you know that Abraham was called to something way bigger than the canvas in which he lived. He was called to something way bigger than the limitation of his actual physical life. And though his life was barren in areas, he was called to a vast, vast calling. And God was going to call something out of that man's life that was going to affect nations and generations. And God was going to about to come to his canvas with the news of the vastness he was called to. And so here's Abraham inside of his tent. And it says in Genesis that God comes and does a home visit because God does home visits. You don't have to chase vastness. God will bring it to your canvas. You don't have to go looking for your big breakthrough. God will bring it to you. And so he comes right to the canvas. And some of you are chasing stuff that God's like, you don't need to chase it. In fact, you're never going to get it while you're chasing it. And so he comes to the canvas. And don't think that God doesn't know where your canvas is. He does. He comes to the canvas in Genesis 15. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, I need you to do something. I need you to step outside of the canvas. And I need you to look up at the sky. And I need you to count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. And so Abraham has this encounter with God where God says, I need you to lift your head out of the small limitation of your life. And I need you not to leave it or burn it or trash it because this is going to be used. But I need you to now get a bigger perspective. And I need to show you something that is about your future that is so vast you're going to freak out, Abraham. And then God shows him all the stars. He says, so shall your offspring be. And the next line is all God requires from you and I. And the next line says, Abraham believed. He goes, okay, God, I believe that you could do something vast in my canvas. I believe that you could bring to my home something that is way beyond my comprehension. See, the idea that God has is that he would take us in our canvas, show us the vastness, but then where was that child conceived? It was conceived in the canvas. God's vast ideas need a place to be conceived. God's big plan need a place to be birthed. God is into home births. God is also into homeschooling. God is. He wants the canvas to be a place that incubates vastness. He doesn't want kids that don't have a home address. He doesn't want ideas that don't have a place to go. He doesn't want things to be birthed that are not in the intimacy of community. God wants the vastness to have canvas. 
And we need to understand that about way, the way God works because I have a feeling often in the church that some of us have a spiritual Amazon account. And so spiritually, we fill out our order of the vast things we would like God to do in our lives, of the money we would like, of the job we would like, of the relationships we would like, of the people we would like in our world. We fill out our vast order and we kind of spiritually go online with God and we fill out all the details. God, I'd like this, 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 and this. And there's nothing wrong with coming to God with your order. He's totally fine with that because he's your father. And we hit the button send and we send it to the delivery place in the sky. And we say, God, I sent you my order last week in worship. I sent you another one a couple of months ago. And God, I'm just wondering when the order is going to arrive. And God wants to say to some of you, it's not that I didn't receive the order. I did. But you failed to fill out the form correctly. (laughs) There's a box missing that you didn't actually enter any information into. And without that box being fulfilled, I can't fulfill your order. And you'll be like, well, God, what box did I not fill out? You left the home address empty. And how many of you know that Amazon want to give you your order? They want to take the money from you. They want to fulfill the order that you have put in, but if you'd fail to fill in the box that says where that order should be delivered, you can sit and wait all day, all year, and it will never show up because they cannot bring your order to somewhere that does not have a home address. And God is in the church saying to the church, I want you to think of vastness and I want you to ask for big stuff, but I need you to have a canvas in which the delivery can be made. I need to be able to bring things to your home. I need it to be in community because if it's not, it is dangerous. And if it's not, it could corrupt you. And if all that money arrived in your account tomorrow and you have no home address in which to steward it and tithe from it and be sensible with it, it will ruin you. It will not help you. And so God's like, I set this whole thing up so that the vastness of what I can do would come to the canvas through which I will do it. So don't despair today that God didn't get your order, but maybe check that you filled the box in. Abraham was home. Abraham was in the canvas. And when God came to tell him about the vastness, he also informed him, this will take place inside your very own canvas. The other thing that we have to understand about this relationship between canvas and vastness, that if we don't understand, we will lose the big picture is that God has something going on that many of us don't even fully comprehend. The best way I can describe it is by using an analogy that is very familiar to me. My 15-year-old daughter loves nothing more than reading books and doing jigsaw puzzles. I know, I got that one child that doesn't care about social media, thank the Lord. And so in my home at any given time, there will always be a puzzle on the go. She'll have a box out on the table and she'll be working on a puzzle. And she understands at 15 years of age, something that we as the church forget, which is whoever designed this thing, whoever created the vast picture that is on the front, he also, or she also, designed it so that Every single piece in this big picture has a place. 
And the problem often is that when we begin to entertain this thought of canvas and vastness, when we begin to build churches that say yes to the vastness of God, the picture keeps expanding. Now what happens when the picture keeps expanding is the pieces keep feeling disconnected. I have never once seen my daughter, when she does a puzzle, put her hand in that box, and the first piece she pulls out, she puts right in the right place, never once. I have more often seen that she'll put the piece where she thinks it fits, only to realize the more pieces she adds, it doesn't actually fit there, it actually fits somewhere else. The bigger the picture gets, the more times the piece has to move. And it's the same in the church, that God has a much bigger picture than often we like, and we like things tidy. I mean, some of us would like, God, I'd just like a four-piece jigsaw puzzle, <laughs> and then I can just know exactly how things are going to be in the church. I just don't want anyone messing with what I do, where I sit, how I see, how I worship. So God, I'd just like my jigsaw puzzle tidy, but God's like, no, I have a vast big picture. I can't reduce my vastness to your comfort level, but what I can do is remind you that you will always have a piece. See, when my daughter can't find where that piece fits, she now has to go on a journey of going, okay, well, I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep trying because she knows the piece fits somewhere. But I have never once seen her go, well, that piece doesn't fit where I think it should fit, so there's no point keeping that. Never, because she knows come the end of this puzzle, there's going to be a piece that is missing. And I'm going to be so frustrated that I threw away the piece that completes the picture. But the enemy plays tricks on our mind. And in a church, a vastness begins to tell us things like, you don't fit here anymore. There's no room for you anymore. This church doesn't even know your name anymore. People don't even welcome you anymore. I mean, you used to be a big piece around here, and now you're just a teeny weeny piece, and so you might as well go where your piece is more appreciated. And the enemy, all he's trying to do is remove pieces from the big picture one by one so we never have a complete picture of what it is God wants to do. You know, in my church, I have had to fight for my place. And I don't mean fight someone for a role. I mean like, just stick in there. Just keep fighting to find my fit. There's been weeks when I've come to church and thought, I don't even know if I matter anymore. I don't even know if my piece is useful anymore. And I've had to remind myself, I have a piece, I have a piece, I have a piece. So I'm going to keep showing up and fight for my place, fight for my place, fight for my place. I have been in kids' church and served there. I have been on the restroom cleaning team and served there. I have been in youth ministry and served there. I was even for a season on the worship team. And I was on there because they said to me, you are a passionate worshiper and we need some energy on the platform. And I was like, okay, I'll take my piece and try that too. It wasn't until I left the worship team for they found some more gifted people than me. It wasn't until after I left the worship team that they then informed me not, not one time was I up on that platform with volume in my microphone. They had me on mute the entire time I was on the worship team. Because they're like, you look great, but you sound terrible. I was like, no one told me. I was miming for months in church. But I didn't care because I knew I had a piece. 
And I'm like, if it's here this week and if it's there next month, you know what? I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to realize it's not about me. It's about the big picture in which God will use me. <laughs> Lot had a piece in the big picture of Abraham's story. Lot had a place alongside Abraham. He was included in the big picture, but Lot got confused. And the confusion that happened for Lot was he confused his blessing and his belonging. And he started to say, well, you know, I got this down and my peace is blessed and you know what, I'm good. So he took his peace out of Abraham's life and he pitched his tent, his canvas next to Sodom. It's never a good idea to pitch your life next to Sodom. Sodom was a place where people were all about themselves and not about the big picture. And if we're not careful, we will remove our peace and we will plant it next to ourself and what serves myself and what is about myself. And before long, you will find that the blessing comes off your life because it was always supposed to be attached to belonging. So in this canvas vastness, you have to welcome the expansion and say, in it I will find my place. It goes on in Genesis 18 to Abraham now conceiving this idea, now believing that God is going to do something vast through his life. And I guess he had his antenna up and I guess he was now living with this heightened state, which I believe as a church and as leaders, we have to always live in this heightened state of what is it, God, you want me to do? That if we become comfortable tidying the canvas, we will miss the vastness that God sent via our lives. And there are some leaders and there are some churches and all they do is have their head in the canvas week in, week out, week in, week out. And they are missing the things that God is sending to expand that canvas. <laughs> Oftentimes when you find people in church that are complaining about everything in church, usually a key of knowing whether or not they get this or not, is you look at them and you go, you listen to what they're complaining about. You're like, you're complaining about all the ways you feel the canvas should be tidy. But when you live your life with vastness, you realize it will never be tidy. Because there's always someone that's coming over to mess up what you just tidied. There's always a new believer that's being added that's now messing up the front living room you just got in order. There's always something that is asking something more of you. And so you realize actually if a church is fighting all the time about the tidiness of the tent, it's because they have stopped inviting vastness over. Because wow. vastness just keeps you busy. And you don't have time to argue about who put the books away. You're like, I'm just glad you're here. But he's living in this heightened sense of, I think vastness could come at any time. So in Genesis 18, it tells us that Abraham is at the tent, but he's at the tent with kind of one foot in the tent and the other foot is like on the edge of the tent, just watching what's passing by. That's called great leadership. I'm watching God for what's coming by. I'm watching for what we're supposed to invite in. I'm watching for what it is that you're sending to our canvas. And so he sees three visitors coming by, and as soon as he sees them, Abraham's like, I know that these dudes are not normal. I know there's something about these three visitors that is to do with the vastness of God. And so he shouts to the three visitors, don't pass me by, come to my canvas. And in Genesis 18, he calls to them, and he says, he hurries to them, and he bows at their feet, and he says, please, if I have found favor, come, let me give you water. 
and then let me wash your feet and then rest here a while and let me go get something for you to eat so you can be refreshed and go on your way because he understood the job of canvas is to feed vastness. The next line is what I love the most and the next line is usually what the church hate the most. Because Abraham just invited three hungry dudes for dinner and said, I will feed you. But the next line is that Abraham goes in the tent and says, Oi, Sarah, go make some food. Hey, you, go get some flour. You, go get the water. It's like, wait a minute, Abraham. You just invited people for dinner and now you're expecting us to feed them? Yes, because Canvas's job is to feed vastness. Let me put it this way. When my son was about five and six years of age, he would often say, can I bring my friend over for dinner, mom? And I would be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. And they would play in the yard and they would tire themselves out and they'd climb trees. And then eventually him and his friend would come into the living room and they would come find me and they would say, hey, we're really hungry. Is it dinner time? And I, as a mother, did not sit on my sofa flicking through channels and roll my eyes in disgust at these two six-year-olds and say, it's not my problem, you're hungry. I didn't ever turn to my son and say, he's not my guest, he's yours. Because I understood that my son's guest is my guest. And when he brings someone over to our house, we all get involved in hosting that person. And the church has to understand that it's the job of the canvas to feed the vastness whether you invited it in or not. <laughs> so when that person starts a single parent ministry and you're not a single parent, you don't go, well, it's not my problem. I didn't invite that ministry to this church. You pay for it. You say, you know what? Your guest is my guest. And when you start another campus and you're like, I don't need another campus. I come to this campus. Why do I need another campus? You say, I might not need another campus, but your guest is my guest. Yeah. So I put my hand in the pocket because Canvas's job is to feed vastness. Yeah. And a church that stops financing, sowing, giving into vastness is a church that shrinks. Is a church that the hand of God goes, you have so much stuff and you're not giving it to anybody. So you know what? I'm just going to step back because until you invite some vastness in, this is all wasted resources. Our lives are built to be vessels of kindness, vessels of generosity. And I made a decision years ago. When I see good soil passing by my tent, I run and put something in it. I'm like, I don't know where you're going, but I want a piece of that. I want to put some seed in that. I want to invest in that. I want to sow in that ministry. You know why? Because there's a vastness here that I want to put something from my canvas into. Yeah. That's why we give. Yeah. That's why we bless. Because canvas feeds vastness. And finally, I love this last point as the team come up here. If you will agree to feed vastness, you will never lose out. Because here's the really cool thing. When canvas feeds vastness, vastness gives you purpose. <laughs> Those three visitors that they simply made some bread for and some food for, they turned into an angelic visitation. 
that was about to speak over Sarah, her future and her destiny. Sarah that is old, Sarah that is barren, Sarah that feels like her best days are behind her. The invitation for vastness to come into the canvas was a game changer for Sarah, whose life at that time lacked a purpose. And now, because she's feeding vastness, vastness begins to speak over her life purpose. And while ever you live this way, you will always have purpose. I reminded myself recently of an incident that happened with one of the women in our church that had been there all my life. Her name is Gertrude Peacock. Gertrude Peacock, how English is that name, first of all? And she literally had white hair and looked like she was a member of the royal family. She was always pristinely dressed and she was just a beautiful woman. She used to babysit me as a kid and Gertrude died a couple of years ago at the age of 106. She had a good long innings and I'll tell you why. Because Gertrude lived a life that is this message. She just understood, I am always going to feed vastness. I'm always going to feed vastness. I'm always going to sow. I'm always going to give. And in return, the vastness kept giving her purpose. It kept giving her purpose. It kept giving her purpose. She never retired from serving God. She never sat in a service thinking, it's too loud. It's too noisy. In fact, the opposite was true of Gertrude. Because the young people that she would finance their ministry every week gave her purpose to keep believing God for money to sow into the future of another generation and I'll never forget the day that we had to ban Gertrude from the youth conference she was 96 when we issued the ban and Gertrude came to that youth conference at 96 years of age and she was in the mosh pit not at the back not like standing at the sidelines like in the mosh pit and she passed out because at 96, you shouldn't be in a mosh pit. I mean, it doesn't make sense, Gertrude. This is not your seat. She just loved being around vastness because it fed her purpose. And we had to call the ambulance. And the ambulance came and they put her on a stretcher and I'll never forget it. She's smiling in heaven as I'm telling her story. And Gertrude, she lifted that oxygen mask off her face as she was on the stretcher. She got eye contact with me and she goes, carry on without me dear carry on without me and then put the mask back on her face and I thought to myself oh God let that be my life don't let me be some old person sat in church going it's too loud but let me live like Gertrude going it might be too loud for me but it ain't for them and I'm glad that there are young people in the house of God Let me be like Gertrude who would bring money to church every week and she would put it in the hands of a young teenager or a young single parent because she realized I want to feed the vastness because it keeps me alive with purpose. If you are bored and you serve God, then there is something wrong with your Christianity. It means that you're all about your canvas and you've forgotten about the vastness. And if you're all about the big thing, but you're not accountable to anything, then you've made a mistake because you're all about the vastness and none about the canvas. And God's idea is we have both. Planted, we flourish. Bring your tithe into the storehouse. Commit, show up. Don't worry about whether vastness will find you. If you have a home address, it will find you. I'm just a girl from a small town in Bradford. I've served in the same church all my life. And sometimes I look at the places that I end up and I'm like, how in the world did I end up there? 
because I ain't got no business card and I'm not looking for an invitation to go anywhere. I've ended up in the Prime Minister of the UK's front room. I've ended up in meetings with people that you would go, how did that happen? And I would go, I have no idea. I just remember being home. <laughs> I just remember building. I just remember saying, okay, God, I'll answer the door to vastness. And I just remember inviting things into my life that, yes, had been expensive, but God always finances a life that says yes to planting and flourishing. Just stand to your feet all across the room. Just close your eyes just as we close. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the greens of your word. I thank you for the challenge that we so often try and avoid, but we so desperately need. Oh God, I pray today that wherever this finds people, God, whether some feel like they have lost their place, whether some feel like they are a piece of the jigsaw that doesn't fit, whether others feel like they have been all about the vastness and neglected the canvas, or whether others feel like they've been controlling and God, you're asking them to open their heart and open their hands. God, you will take this message like only you can and you will divide it into so many pieces so that everybody walks away with what they need. So God, today we now give to you. We surrender again to you. God, we ask you to help us be the kind of church that builds your canvas and welcomes your vastness. If there was ever a picture of God showing how much he's committed to this, it's a picture of him in all of his vastness sending a savior to our canvas. He took all of his greatness, all of his glory, all of his might, and he wrapped it in Jesus. He sent vastness to the canvas of every heart. And maybe today you are far from God. Maybe you have drifted from Him. Maybe online you're watching this because you're avoiding the canvas called the house of God. Maybe you've clicked on because you can't bear to be in a place where people know your name. But God sees you and you are not hidden from Him. And right now He's calling you home. The same father of the prodigal, the same father of the reliable, He's calling both home. And He's saying, I destined you to do life together. And I pray for a healing where healing needs to happen. I pray for a coming together of brothers where brothers have separated. I pray for a house that is healthy and vibrant with the restless and the reliable. God, help us figure this out. So for any that need to come home, I just say come home today. Invite him into your heart afresh. Surrender afresh. He's a good, good father. We thank you, God that you are a God that is so vast, but you care so deeply about the very canvas of our lives. We honor you, we love you. And today we just thank you once more for who you are and we commit to all you want to do in your name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.